Well, welcome to another edition of the Giblets of Git Gazette. My name's Ross Solly. It's great to be with you. Julian Abbott, how are you, mate? I'm here. I'm great, Ross. How are you going? All right? Well, I'm very excited to hear your voice because I was a little bit worried I was going to have to do this on my on my own. Now, um, we've got a very special guest today, Julian. You've just had uh, a big renovation done to your uh, pile in, yeah. in Hackett. I'm in the process of doing a renovation in uh, Leichhardt. Uh, I've got to say, from my own experience, I, I'm not enjoying it a lot, um, no. which is why I'm going away a lot because the, the best, the more time I spend away, the happier the house is. I've got to say, somebody though who has devoted a lot of their life and loves loves it with a passion and loves looking at other people's renovations and other people's architecture is Tim Ross, um, who's did a series called uh, Designing a Legacy, and it's back. First episode Sunday night. ABC TV, also on ABC iView. Tim Ross, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. How are you? G'day. Gosh, no, I don't love renovation. It's the worst thing you Who can does? ever do in your life. Insane people. I mean, people have this it's idea. Like a- they read a, magazine, <laughs> read a magazine, they go, oh, that looks good. I'm going to do that. That'll be fun. And it never is. Well, parts of it are at the start and then it always drags. It's like um, and then, you know, you have this sort of, Everything's right. You love your builder. You love you know architect if you have one, and then it starts to sour, and then mm, you know yeah. the, your builder ends up hating you, and then the end, and then you like him again in the end. But you've got what, the way you've got to look at it. If you are thinking about building or renovating, you basically think about one of those times when you go out to dinner with some friends, and then you smashed, and you think let's get a really expensive bottle of wine, <laughs> and then you. <laughs> And you do it. And that's what renovation is times 10. And at the end of it, you've had a good time. You spent more money than you should have. But anyway, life is too short not to, you know, go into debt for the rest of your life. What I don't understand is that there's a national shortage of tradies, but they're never doing your job. (laughs) They're always never there. Well, that's what I I would like to see. eh? And And then all of a sudden you come home one day and your house looks like a Toyota Hilux showroom. There's <laughs> eight so million true. of them at your house, all getting in each other's way. Anyway, it is good fun in the that, end. It's wonderful to see the finished product, and it's it's nice to maintain what you hopefully want to spend the rest of your life in. Yeah, and they do get in the way of each other's. You know, they're no good at organising anything, and they um. Yeah, it's like I remember having these guys come around and do some stuff at our place and basically what happened was that there was two guys just doing the perfect job and then that would, then it rained and every other guy that he had couldn't work so he sent them all to our place to help and you talk about the law of diminishing returns time the power of 50 million. Um, they just got in each other's way and the job ended up taking three times as long. Idiots, absolute idiots. One of the things I've enjoyed most about the renovation is the uh, the weekly call from the builder saying he's left a zero off the quote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all too familiar, sadly, yeah. isn't it? And that's not yeah. a zero. That's not a zero after the decimal point either. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So, mate, um, where did your love of of, of that? Uh, I mean, did you grow up in a in a flash place, or did you grow up in a in a bit of a shack? What was your What was your upbringing? Uh, I grew up in a pretty, you know, okay nineteen sixties project home in the bush in the suburbs of Melbourne, and then my parents did a sort of quite an interesting renovation in to the house in the 
late 70s, early 80s, which I sort of think was quite formative, but mostly it was the houses around me rather than my own that, that um, were the inspiring things. Um, there was no doubt that the suburbs uh, of Melbourne in the 70s and 80s and before that in the 60s were, were pretty fertile ground for interesting architecture and you know, like the great songs of Hal David and Back, Bert Bacharach, you, um, you sort of wake up one day without ever owning an album but love every one of the songs. And I think <laughs> architecture is really formative like that and, you know, either some, but for some people it doesn't have any no. power over them and that's okay too but for me it was, it was, it was significant. But but a lot of that architecture, a lot of that architecture, though Tim, it, it makes a statement as opposed to what you see being built today. Yeah, I mean that's no doubt. I mean I think, uh, I mean it's this is this is I mean there's always been a really varied variety of things being built in this country: the the good, the bad, and the really bad. Um, uh, and I, in some ways, I'd argue there's probably better architecture around now than before, but it's probably just not as ex- not as accessible. So, but so Tim, I, I've got to ask you though: Was there a pivotal moment? I mean, for a lot of kids growing up, they don't they don't care, they don't give a hell about about the houses around them, the you know what everything looks like. Uh, was there a pivotal moment when you thought, "Wow, this is really interesting. I'm going to spend the rest of my life looking at this sort of stuff." <laughs> no, I think it just sat with me for a while, and it's always been an interest, and I've always collected furniture, you know, like I'm sort of well-known for being a bit of a 50s and 60s nut and that was a big part of seeing the things around me when I was a kid. Uh, but I think it was very much a slow boil and um, I remember a moment when I moved up to Sydney going up to the Rose Seidler house, Harry Seidler's famous house in Wurunga. Yep. And that being quite, you know, and I wasn't young then, I was, you know, my late 20s but I think, it really, it really drew me in, um, and I think that fascination hit me pretty hard. And it was a pretty extraordinary experience for me. And I'd always been interested, but then that sort of just spiralled me into another world. And um, you know, being a buying a modernist house and you know making these telly shows about architecture and performing in architecturally significant houses and being a you know general nerd about it um, yeah. has pretty much been my life for the last I don't know twelve years or something. And the thing is, people take you seriously about it now. When you talk, they actually see <laughs> which for a guy who, which for a guy who probably made his name initially as a stand-up comic, to actually have people sitting there going, "Oh, that's a really interesting point you're making there, Tim. I love your insights, mate." <laughs> oh, I think um, they always make, they always talk to me about people say, "Oh, you know what you really what we really like about you is you know you make you make everything so accessible, you know and." Um, you know, your language is so simple and I go, well, this is me being my most highbrow that I possibly can. It's <laughs> 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 just sort of this deep sadness of that, but I'll take what I can get. Do, do, they say, do they sometimes say, look, this is really interesting. Can you make us laugh? Tell us a joke, mate. Come on. Yeah, I mean, this is a constant struggle comes in, in the TV shows by every single director I've had. Have, they've said to me, mm, yeah, that's good, but let, let, can we have some funny here? And <laughs> uh, and I go, oh, okay, you know, and or they'll often write really good lines for me in voiceover um, that everyone gives me credit for because I can be pretty earnest about stuff mm. um, and they know that that's the dull stuff. So, well, I do these, when I do the shows, like I've been doing, I've just been doing a talk um, 
and they're hard to classify. I'll call it a talk, but it's a stand-up show with history in it called Rosso 88 and it just looks at um, our social history starting in, you know, the mid-1980s um, and looking at what defined us from that time, my favourite moments of Australiana. And a mate of mine said to me, said, oh, you've just given us a history lesson without us realising because, you know, it's, there's always some stand-up and there's funny um, punctuated through it. And I don't think I could talk for an hour without chucking in a zinger here and then and um, mm. or things, that expectation. But I think there's coming, there's, there's coming to terms with being not funny is probably easier for me than most comics because I've never really been that fussed about it and I haven't really yeah. taken the same, same yeah. pathway. And lots of people keep, you know, talk about what I do. It's not a stand-up show, you know, it's a TED talk. And that's a t- that general criticism of those sort of hybrid comedy shows that have their serious moments. Um, and I, I because I don't play in that sort of park or field or pool, I don't really care whether they, you know, they're not coming and it's not for them. And there's plenty of people who can go out and do an hour of really great stand-up it's not really my bag anymore. I would rather do something that's funny and interesting and makes you think and makes me think and um, tells, most importantly, I suppose, tells a story about who we are, where we've been, where we might be going. We seem to have a fascination with shows like yours, you know, uh, Grand Designs and other home shows and things like that. Why do you think people are fascinated by shows about people's homes? Well, we'd like a good sticky peak um, and we all... I mean, everyone dreams of living in the perfect home in some way, in some shape or form. Um, and I think, and we look quite, we're people quite judgy. I think that's it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. got a big part of it. Um, people like to um, feed their <laughs> own insecurities by being judgy, and um, and I think that we generally like the building process. And I think this country is different because it's. The, the Australian dream is so heavily cemented in who we are um, and it's hard to hard to really, really shake off and you, we'll see it with people who come here from overseas and it doesn't take them long to buy into it. There's always this conversation that goes on about, well, people overseas, they don't, they live in a different situation, they don't want home ownership, they're happy to rent apartments mm-hmm. and those people who come here very much change their tune on the whole pretty quickly because they realise it sort of is part of the culture and... Uh, yeah rightly or wrongly, for better or worse, um, it's really important touchstone for us and part of our identity, but it also causes us enormous amounts of pain. Um, you mentioned Harry Seidler there before, one of our greatest architects. I've got a Seidler or well, part Seidler house just up the road from me, which has just been extended and they've done a really sympathetic job towards it. Um, but, but there doesn't, and there are some still wonderful houses being designed in this country. But there doesn't seem to be a standout that made an impression. I think on architecture, like he did. Oh, I mean, he was also dealing with an incredibly blank, blank canvas. Those guys who were designing houses in the nineteen fifties and sixties, um, we had space to burn. So, what one of the reasons we see that you know the architectural awards come around and quite often people will say, oh, they're not, there's nothing really that amazing there. Uh, it's because there's not as much land and so people are more likely to renovate something rather than build a brand new home. Um, or if they build something, they build something so ridiculously big that it's never going to win an award or be particularly attractive. And so or you, we get a lot of the time, we get the only people who are buying a bit, getting architects to design them new homes 
you know, people who are, you know, 70-odd. It's their last roll of the dice. Mm. And so they have particularly different needs that may not excite people in the same way. So it's a really tricky situation and the cost of building is just smashing it for people. You know, we always talk about design fees being significant but they pale into insignificance now when it comes to... But you, you really look, what you look at build. you look at when you know people who who want to live that dream and get that home, and then you look at Western Sydney and you know Northern Melbourne, and they're just row after row of these houses packed into blocks that don't have a back garden where you can't swing the cat or anything like that, and you know just to fulfil that dream of owning owning a home, and we're just left with what we've got now, and there's there's nothing remarkable about it. Yeah, and I think they um, the biggest problem is is this sort of lack of canopy and the tree canopy out there in the suburbs mm. as well. So you people won't walk anywhere, and they uh, so the obesity issues becomes huge. And they've, everyone's been sold the idea that you need the biggest house in the world, and it has to be designed this way. And they make it easier for you to and cheaper for you to have a smaller house. Uh, it's a bigger house, I should say. So. Yeah, it's not it's not fun, and and also this it's a double edged sword. The consumer's not actually asking for much more, and no, but on the same by the same token, they don't have much choice. Um, and bad design breeds bad design, mm. and so one of the one of the design elements we've seen over the years are these sort of snub nose eaves that are, were were designed so you could build right up to the to the almost to the boundary um, without having any problems with it. But if you've got an eave, that's where the where your building stops. But then you'll see buildings that are nowhere near a boundary that have those snub noses because they think it's a design element, but it's mm. just a cheat, it's just a terrible cheat. And it becomes a thing, which is just horrific. But uh the biggest problem with them, and you know, we're building these houses that just aren't, aren't aren't suited to our climate. They're not suited to our landscape, and they're not suited to the way that we live. Um, they that we seem to think they are, but really, you know, we've got this beautiful landscape, we've got this beautiful climate, and and most of our houses sort of turn their back on that. Well, I live in a suburb where, well, lucky we do have big blocks, but you know, houses are being knocked over, um, and we have a saying, "Oh, they're building a box." And you're right about they're just not suited to this country. There's there's nothing over windows or anything like that. And it just seems to be, um, you know, they want these quick fix houses put up straight away and there's nothing special about them whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, in, in many ways it's the, the – some of the times the techniques are pretty good and what they've got, you know, everyone starts with the same materials but it's just, just the – yeah, it's hard to explain, but sometimes I just think that y- you could take all those same materials and make a much better house, mm. just with a bit more thoughtfulness. You know, and I'm not telling. And you'd probably end up you'd end up with the with the with the same taps and the same kitchen, um, um, the same bricks. But there's just something missing in, in in terms of how they look and their street appeal and their size and their scale um, and their practicality. Um, we deal a lot, talk a lot about multi-generational living now, which is super cool, which is just, you know, that allows your kids have to have someone to live in the future and where do you, you, you can age in place, as they say in the classics, all those things that are really important. Mm. 
So Designing a Legacy begins again on uh, Sunday night, ABC TV and on ABC iView. Tim, did you, the places that you feature in there, did you find those through word of mouth or, or pick them up through, you know, magazine stories? Where'd you, how'd you come across a lot of these places? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of everything, to be honest. Um, the... Like, for example, if you came to Canberra, everybody would say to you, go and check out Julian Abbott's place because it's, like, huge and he's got so much money. It's mm. embarrassing. Yeah. But... I've turned it into a club. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, I, I, I do pick up stories along the way. People show – people, you know, I tour a lot. People always invite me into their houses and so um, – or that's experiences, like there's a – we use a primary school in Canberra, Girling Primary School, and I went to it when the architect Enrico Taglietti was having was oh. there for an open day, and it was it was really moving for me before he died yeah. um, to listen to him talk about the wonder of architecture in this school that fifty years later is still working exactly as he planned, and there's something incredibly brilliant about that. And you know, he designed a school for the kids, not the teachers, and that's why it works so well. And the kids are so bright, and they don't know what it is that works for them, but somehow it it does, and that's the power of good design and and I think it's really inspiring for people people to see primary schools that are public schools that their their design is being celebrated on TV. Can it be a bit awkward when you get invited in sometimes to a place and you hate it? Uh, I tend not to be super I tend not to be super judgy of people's homes. Um because the essence of people's homes is what makes them great. You can have the most beautiful architect design home in the world, but if you can't make a cup of tea or you're not particularly friendly, it all goes to waste. Uh, you know, I think we, we worry about all the wrong things. You know, we go into people's houses for dinner. I don't know, it doesn't happen to me very often, but um, for whatever reason, you know, I don't get invited <laughs> let's, back. I don't know. Let's not go down those dark corridors. <laughs> <laughs> Is but, it because um, people think it, you're not funny anymore? <laughs> no, it's like probably. Yeah. Um, oh, he used to I, be funny. I, now he just he talks about houses. About houses, yeah. He just gets judgy about our places. No, but we worry about all the wrong – when people come around to our houses, we worry about, you know, all the things that have to match and all that sort of stuff. And all, and, and really the, the best house guests are just happy to be invited, really. That's the way I see it, you know. Like I, I cook all the time and if I get invited around to someone's house and they – it means I don't have to cook and I can just sit there and be fed. I think it's glorious. Um, I think the best, I think sometimes, you know, when I was doing the first series of the ABC Streets of Your Town, one of my favourite houses was this funny joint um, in in Leichhardt in Sydney and it's, uh, you know, it's classic what we used to call the Wog Mansion type places Um, and it was all tiles up the the wazoo and it was, but, you know, it had the most amazing olive trees and basil everywhere and they made the most beautiful coffee and, Biscottis and the house was full of life and love and lemons and you can't help but be seduced by that and, you know, it's never going to make it into any architectural books but nor should it but it's the the life that's lived in that house that makes it appealing. So, you know, a, a beautiful family in a crappy house is always going to be the, the best experience to be enjoyed. Um, uh, that's, that's ultimately, you know, architecture when it comes to the, to the crunches about people and you hope that if you can be in a situation, it doesn't always have to be expensive, that better architecture might might help you live a slightly better life than you would have otherwise done. And that sometimes is just the way that, you know, a house is, is, is 
catches the sun or um, mm. there's a room that's perfect mm. in size or there's a thoughtfulness to make your study a little bit you know, bigger or smaller than you would have normally wanted that's off the plan or maybe it's just, you know, you can look out the front and see a tree or it doesn't have to be huge architecture with a capital A for it to be important. What do you think yeah. of developers? <laughs> uh, the, good de- <laughs> the good developers are great and the bad developers are bad. Have you had a bad experience, Julian? No, 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 but it's just you, you just look at every apartment, nearly every apartment block that goes up now for apartments and you just know there's a quick buck involved in this and they just look horrible. Yeah. But the, the other part, other side of that is the developers make their money out of consumers and most of those apartments are from investors and that's, what's, that's what drives the worst in our in our in our in our housing stock is that you know you can't get an apartment that's made for a family it's made for two people who who are going to rent there or um rather than a situation where you know maybe you've got three kids and you want you want something off something different in an apartment block in terms of the way that it looks and you know when you say how they look it, it almost becomes it's all window dressing because the best looking apartments in the world, they still have the same layout when they go inside. Almost every one of them mm. has an identical scale to the two bedroom, two bathrooms, that's it. And, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, yeah. You know, the, you'll go to some apartment and the apartment will complex and they'll go, look at this, we've got two pizza ovens for 500 people. And you go, well, that's great, but they've got <laughs> cheese all over them and you don't want stranger cheese in your face. Um, how about you just put a slide in for the kids that live here? And that really doesn't become part of the conversation. Um, is there is there a different type of amenity that's really important for families? Or um, is this great? I remember seeing this great apartment building in somewhere. Someone was put on Instagram. It's from Sweden or somewhere where they've had these huge and really delightful hallways where. The kids, you know, different climate, but the kids could sort of, the doors were all left open in the apartments and the kids sort of used it as a semi-playground. You know, they're on their, with their toys and this community and so mm. we, we don't really get that sense and the developers aren't really doing that. But you get these guys, there's an architect design, architect-led project that come out of Melbourne called Nightingale and they, uh, you know, it's cooperative housing basically and you can... The architects get some investors, and they're, they're, what the investors take out is capped at a certain amount, and so much most of that money goes into the amenity of the house that you're living in. So you get a better product for a better price, and that's what people want. And they fly off the shelves; they can't get enough of them. But mm. unfortunately, they're also trying to find sites, and they're in competition with developers, and so sometimes they lose out, but sometimes they don't. We're all we're all around the same demographic. Um, you might be a bit younger than. Me, both of you, but we really were in a lucky generation where we had a backyard to grow up in and, you know, to run under a sprinkler and things like that, weren't we? Um, yes, but we also, um, there was also some terrible things that happened that, you know, we also had parents who didn't, who drank dry, drunk drive and didn't <laughs> believe in seatbelt. So, you know, we, you can romanticise it all that. Yes, we had more space. Um, we had more absent parenting. Um, we think we had more freedoms in lots of ways, but we, we, we also didn't have the opportunity to watch Star Wars on an iPad. So, um, yeah. you, you, you take your, hang on, I, the isolation from the suburbs is, is something, you know, like I loved living in the suburbs, but then when I was 
12, 13, 14 or 15. I couldn't wait to get out of them. Yeah. They can be pretty dull sort of once you're a teenager. They're just, you know, they're, they're a bit shit. So we, I, I, I keep thinking what's what happens to a generation or two generations now who don't get that opportunity to have that life in the suburbs in the same way and I, I'm not sure that they're particularly fast in some ways. Yeah. Uh, I grew up on a I grew up on a farm in Western Australia. It was like uh, uh, asbestos asbestos house, but it wasn't big enough. It had a caravan attached to the side, which is where the kitchen was, and and mum and dad's bedroom was in the caravan attached to the side. And it had an out, outdoor dunny, Tim, out the back. Yeah, wow, well, lovely. Used to share it with the redbacks and the dugites uh, out the back. And and you know, when I look back at it now, it was pretty bloody primitive. I've got to say. But going back to the point you made earlier, I mean, it was our home and, and it was something which I have great memories about growing up there. Had no heating, no air conditioning or anything like that. It was bloody hot in summer and freezing cold in winter. But that was it. That was it. That's what I grew up in. And that was, for me, that was a home and it was a happy place. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Mm. Do you when miss radio at all, matters. Tim? Do you miss doing radio? I do not. I don't miss. I don't. I don't want a job. So you know, I don't want to be in the same place every day. So I don't. But was yeah. it a good time yeah. in your life? Yes. Yeah, of course. Um, but you're also not in control of how long you can do it for. It's not like I'm. You say I'm going to be a carpenter, and that's what you do. Uh, there's about three people in the country who decide whether or not you you're allowed to do it or not. Yeah. Um, so that's really it. Um, uh, and I, I, let, I stopped for a while, went back to it. And then, then when I finished up, you know, I didn't have a contract that wasn't renewed and I was sort of quite happy about it because I was about to do the TV show and I wasn't quite sure how the first one, how I was going to do both. But I can, I, when I go and hang out with my mates, I quite enjoy it when I'm doing their show, but then it's because I'm only doing it for, 20 minutes and then yep. I don't have to go to the meetings and I don't have to talk about the shitty competitions and all that stuff. So, um, <laughs> and it's a vastly different job than it was when I was doing it 20 years ago for the first yeah. time, you know. Uh, you know, people didn't have, people didn't, people didn't, people, people, a lot of people didn't even have clocks in their car. So you had to tell the time. It was a big part of the act. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. It's, well, it certainly has, it certainly has changed a lot, hasn't it? So. Yeah, and a lot for the better, a lot for the worse, but, you know, it's, the whole world has changed. Yep. Uh, just, yep. Just one final one from me because I know Ross is winding me up here. Is there a favourite house in Australia, apart from your own maybe? The, definitely that, the, the, the Reeds house at, at, in Melbourne and the Heidi Gallery is by far my, my favourite space, I think. The idea that they wanted to have a, a house that turned into a gallery after they were gone was super cool. Tim, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been great speaking to you. We're looking forward to seeing uh, Designing a Legacy on ABC TV. Kicks off Sunday night. Uh, thanks so much, mate, for taking time to talk to Julian and myself and for being a guest on the Giblets Gazette. You can hear us on uh, all the normal podcast channels, Spotify, TuneIn, and the works. Good luck with the show, Tim. All the best, mate.